I haven't seen you since the play. Yahoo! gotta tell me okay i'm one of those guys that gets it Look, i'm I a get it. I'm, I'm a male I'm... feminist you don't have to tell me oh. <laughs> i don't have to listen because i've assigned a label to myself so i feel that i've done all the work i can and can improve no more i mean sorry i'm just uh, owning no, people I mean, <laughs> I mean, satire has reached a new level at this point i mean unfortunately we're... satire you know we got to keep up in our satire game because life keeps trying its fucking best to be satire yeah, all of a sudden itself. satire becomes not satire you're like wait wait a minute um wait no uh what are oh. you saying have you this is a bit of a detour for us have you seen yes. the new bo burnham special i haven't yet it's stunning uh, i'm kind of I'm 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 squirreling it away. You know what I mean? Like I'm saving that one for like I it's a it's a it's a rainy day and it's finally time to to crack that one open and like devote my full attention to it. You it's, know what I mean? Yeah, I it's I'm excited Everyone says to watch it. It's I'm excited total- to watch it. I saw somebody I mean, first of all, Bo Burnham is a generational talent, like it's 100%. a given at this point. Was even before this, but this is just like I mean, Bo Burnham has been a fucking generational talent for like ten over a decade. Years. Yeah, no, because because yeah. he started so young, right? He well, like he was he, he was already a significant figure on early YouTube, and that was already generational defining. So like, absolutely. And then we've watched him grow, um, and he talks about that in the special. An artist who like does not. I love an artist that is never satisfied with like what they're able Ooh. to put out. And I'm always, <laughs> I'm always like excited that I'm like, whatever you do next might not be my favorite thing you've ever done. Kevin, but you're, you're gonna love this new piece. But you're gonna try something. I know, I know, I'm gonna love it. I'm completely I, in the bag for it. Yeah, like as, I mean, no, I'm just excited for you to watch it. Is basically what as I'm far as stand-up comedy goes, I'm like the most basic bitch in the entire world. I'm oh, like, I like, I like John Mulaney. I like yep. Bo Burnham. I like yep. Mike Birbiglia. You know what I mean? Like, I, like those. I am no connoisseur <laughs> of oh, of stand up yeah. comedy. I mean, I find it boring. <laughs> you talk for like a I whole mean, hour. Yeah, Just uh, you? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Less of you should have like a whole hour. <laughs> yeah, type fifteen maybe. Could you like do what the blue collar comedy tour did and like? Four of you share like ninety minutes, because now now we're talking. Now, <laughs> you know, like everyone comes out, does their best twenty, and then leaves. <laughs> That's honestly great. Yeah, give me twenty minutes. Have a host that doesn't suck, which is a rarity in itself. A rarity. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I. It's interesting. It's you watch it. He, mm-hmm. His. His stand-up stuff ventures so close to that line of theater. You know what I'm talking about? I've that always really like called him a does. performance artist as well. He like is. I'm like, no, yeah, he totally he's... is. He, and he knows it too. He's fully aware that what he does is outside of the realm of, like, I would put um... stand-up by way of Uda Hagen. You know, <laughs> stand-up by way I mean, of Yoko well, also, Ono. 
You know, um, was it Hannah Gatsby? Is that her name? Is that her name? Yes. Nanette and also did mm-hmm. D- Douglas. What's the name of the second special that's on? Okay, first of all, obsessed with her, but she tonally does something that is in a similar vein to what Bo does, and that is, ha-ha, laughs, laughs, laughs. Okay, but I'm actually going to talk about some real shit, and you're going to listen. It reminds me of, like, the the... The, the next logical step after the Carlin era of stand-up. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? An Where evolution you, of I've had my Car- last, but I'm also, I've grown a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, the- I saw someone saying, they were like, oh, they were like, I can't remember who it was. They compared Bo to being like a contemporary um, equivalent of this very famous surrealist theater artist. I'm trying to remember who they said. Um... I can think of his works, which is the funny thing, and I can't remember his name. Uh, and I can't think of the names of his works. I can, like, visually see his works because I've watched. Oh, my God. He's a French surrealist, and he's, like, the most famous. Anyway, somebody was like, oh, yeah, Bo's doing this. And somebody went, well, I see what you're saying. They were like, this is also – he's very explicitly manipulating the medium of film as well or cinema. Because I don't know if it, I think it was actually shot digitally. Cinema. Cinema. But um, somebody was like, yeah, I mean, honestly, contemporary David Lynch. And I was like, I don't know David Lynch's filmography well enough. Um, so I'm I'm excited for you to see this new special and see what you're I'll weigh in with my, uh, <laughs> with yeah, my take I mean, of how lynchy it really is. I don't well, know. I, People. Not necessarily in like the thematic mm-hmm. relationship with, with Lynch, but more so aesthetics and manipulation of uh, it's it's a crazy special yeah. Kevin you gotta watch it oh I'm very excited too I'm just I'm kind of I again I've just like squirreled it away I've just yeah. like I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm I'm, I'm pinning that down the road it's not going anywhere it's on Netflix you know I'm, I'm pinning it for down the line and sometime soon I'm gonna pull that trigger and I'm gonna enjoy myself but I'm just kind of like what is a good I it's like I have like I got a, I got a, I someone gave me a nice chocolate, right? And I'm like, I'm gonna love this chocolate, but I don't want to eat the chocolate right now. I kind of want to like, I have it in my back pocket in case I would love a nice chocolate at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna pull that out, and I'm gonna. My only it advice to you is don't let the chocolate melt. Well, absolutely not, right? I don't want to, I don't want to overstay my welcome. And it's also one of those things, and this is just because I'm too online. I need to log out. But like, there's these <laughs> times. Where suddenly everyone is talking about something, whether it's something I've seen or and something it makes I haven't, you not want to watch, and I don't want to engage with it. No, that that was that's the reason why I still haven't fucking seen Game of Thrones. <laughs> I mean, right? It's like at a certain point because there's sometimes where people start talking about something, and you're like, "Oh, I'm I'm hype! This makes me excited." And sometimes, like everyone starts talking about something, and especially as, like, that first wave of backlash starts to to edge over the horizon, that I'm like, now I don't want to engage with this for, like, four years <laughs> so I can come back after all of this is done. I still haven't seen, like, La La Land, because for some reason... It's so bad, don't watch it, Kevin. <laughs> I, but, like, at a certain point, I'm like, I would like to see La La Land. I like these performers. I, I enjoyed Whiplash. Uh, same director, you know, but like, it just, it just I, I became... haven't seen Whiplash for a similar reason. People are like, "Oh, you drum? You should watch Whiplash." And I'm like, 
no. Because Don't. everything I've heard said from, like, the musicians that I know, they're like, this is the most toxic nonsense I've ever seen. This is not what a good music, like, rehearsal space sounds like. Well, this is I, not the way that you're supposed I, to treat people. I mean, yeah, I mean, but I... That's the point of the movie? Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, that's, like, he's... It's my reading of the movie. Now, I haven't rewatched it since the theaters, like, seven years ago. But my reading of yeah, Whiplash, I when I saw it, was I was like, I... This is a critique of this kind of person. Or it's presented... It's presented in a way that a lot of theater is presented is that mm-hmm. they're like, here's the events and it is up to, we trust the audience to run it through their own moral filters yeah, and, and not assume we're condoning everything right. that's happening. No, I get that. I think the takeaway that I've been hearing mostly from a lot of musicians that have seen it is like, this is just unrealistically portrayed. Like now well, that might like, very well be true. Yeah. They're, they're like, they're like, yo, I don't know a single teacher that would ever do that. And if they got like, this would not fly. Like, it wouldn't be like a moral, like, ooh, what are your, th- what are your takes Jesus, on this teacher? Like, genius. got such good results. But I mean, honestly, it sounds like an allegory for like abusive directors on set. You know, you're talking about Quentin Tarantino fucking breaking, literally breaking with Thurman. And you're just like, okay, cool. But he's a genius, you know? And you're like, fuck you, right? And it seems right. like I that's what it- it's an allegory for. But just as a percussionist and as like a musician, I look at it and I go, I do I need to watch this? Do I need to watch an actor who learned how to drum that they then... 80 yard over anyway i'm like you know and, every, and everybody it's like it's so good and i'm like okay honestly my favorite drum movie i've ever seen was birdman wow i mean good right? yeah, I, I that's one of my least favorite movies i've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life i hate it i hate every fucking fiber of that movie i despise it i'm glad that it brought michael keaton back like i'm glad i'm glad that like after birdman he starts you know so spotlight cool. spider-man homecoming but I, when I was in the theater watching mm. Birdman, I'm like, this is one of the five worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Really? Why do you I hate, hate it so much? I hate this. I, I, I hate nihilism. I hate nihilism. And that movie hates actors, directors, smart audiences, dumb audiences, daughters, fathers, sons. They're like, everything's bullshit. No, they, like, and not in like an interesting way. Uh, it, 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 it's critique but it's not directed anywhere it's just this shotgun of like look at how fucking stupid everyone is and all and that fucking gimmick <laughs> with the single take does not add anything it detracts from the movie oh. actively that movie does not benefit from being this fake ass I if you're going to do the one take does. thing then fucking do it russian I- arc did it why can't you <laughs> the only reason why i actually think that the single shot aesthetic works for this is because it's decidedly um, a theatrical lens, and there is something to be said about the fact that there are no cuts in live theater, and so it it feels more present and immediate. But again, that is just me. Your interpretation and your perspective is, like, super fucking valid, my dude. And um, I thank you for that. Yours is also... I mean, like, I am <laughs> in the minority, I feel, of, you know, <laughs> hating that Best Picture winner. Um, I, I, I also... The idea of best picture is a fucking sham. I saw. Oh, this one abs- thing, I mean, we like, all know. They were like, "Oh yeah," because you know, award shows are great because the purpose of making art is. What I saw, it was a pride. It was a queer comedian saying, "Like, oh, well, you know, the whole purpose of award shows is because apparently, art is just sports for gay people." One hundred percent. 
Absolutely. And I'm like, I hate that you just clocked that so hard, but that's what it's turned into. It's the way that people watch these things, you're right, park. is akin to to sports. And like, especially if you've ever been to like a public gathering where people are watching it, like whether it's a party or like in a bar, it becomes that same communal atmosphere. You're absolutely right. I think a more, and I'm, I'm just coming up with this idea right now. Yeah, I, would, I, I would prefer mm-hmm. a like a Kennedy Center honors for film where it's like, we're going to kind of choose five movies or something like that every year. And we're like, a movie feels different than giving it awards and being like, this was nominated in this one. Like if there's not even, if it's not even a nomination list, it's just like, Hey, we want to celebrate some of, some of our favorites. And they're like, but this is like, the community choosing it it's like hi we are one specific organization and we as a group of 10 individuals <laughs> or something not quote the academy which is yeah. like what I, the fuck? <laughs> yeah i i would like a lot more like kind of the you know how the way they do best picture now is they're like well there's anywhere between five and ten that are going to be nominated for best picture i would like that if that was just like no, anywhere between five and ten are the movies we're going to honor this year. You know, and 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 we we just yeah, honor taking a winner out of them. Just be like, hey, it literally, yeah. If it was just like these are some of the best, these are some of our not even the best. These are some of our favorites. Like these also, are movies like, that deserve celebration. Favorite. You know, yeah. like have have achieved some special level of craft or meaning or or because that would also allow for. More comedies, more horror films, more action films oh to enter God. into that conversation. I, wish, I mean, I have been having over the past couple of years. It's still fairly new for me. Um, a newfound love of horror movies. Like I used to avoid them mm. at all costs. Ooh, I used spooky. to hate them. I just, I was like, no, yeah, I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to get scared. Why would I do that? I thought oh, it was so stupid. stupid. I, I was like, why would someone pay money to get scared? Now <laughs> I fucking love it. And yeah. it's, most of it is because I'm a huge, I love special effects, um, especially when they're done in some sort of practical way. Um, but also like gaining a love for the aesthetics of, you know, suspense and the way that they can they could take a special amount of skill to be able to carry an audience along with these themes and get them expecting. And then of course, finding like the tropes and finding like joy in recognizing them and when they're done well, when they're done poorly and loving them in both circumstances, it's, it's a whole thing. And it's loving good horror is about watching bad horror and learning to appreciate like the good, like you almost, you're like, yeah, you're watching a, a horror movie and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You had the thing jump out and it scared me. Like, great. Good job. Like, awesome. great. Good job. Well, you got know. a good jump scare. But yeah, I saw sure. it okay. away because the music cut out 20 seconds earlier. Yeah. It's like, right. <laughs> and then you like watch someone that does it poorly, like executes the same idea, but, but is mm-hmm. nowhere near as effective. And then you're like, Hey, good job other horror you know like it's it's, it's you're like weird... oh okay like you, but like you still you can still pull it off and you know and like yeah there's also something to be said about horror movies that don't have jump scares like um i don't think there's any jump scares if there might be one actually in like the exorcist like the original exorcist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stunning movie got an award for it right absolutely because it's As one well of those things where, like just it, it, it leaves you with this sense of chill and you're like what is happening but i you know what i finally watched for the first time ever recently can't wait 
Can't wait for whatever this is going to be. Saw. Saw 1! James Bond's Saw 1. I have now seen the the original trilogy, as it were. Um, I'm deciding whether ah, yes. or not I want to move forward with the nine other films, which I might not. I've heard that they are just gore for the sake of gore. and Diminishing fucking returns. Arcs of the Saw <laughs> films. The, the Saw was... sequels learned the wrong lessons from Saw 1. Uh-huh. It, I, would, it... I, actually, I, I would... Even watching Saw 2 and Saw 3, my question is, did they even watch the first one? Because... That's an excellent question. <laughs> or did they watch the trailer and they're like, oh, I know what this is. Oh, yeah, got it. Cool. Big Machine, <laughs> Scary Mystery, Dying Man. Got it. Okay. But Little like... guy, tricycle. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the thing that caught me so off guard is because in my head, Saw is gore and, like, self-harm and this and that, right? And in the first movie... It's hardly there. Yep. It's surprising. They, they, there's one big, they, there's, they don't show any of these things happening. It's all implied like Jurassic Park style. Like, oh, you know that she's stabbing this person in the stomach because we have a shot from below of her stabbing down. <laughs> right. And you, you know, and you're like, okay, I know what this is implying. It's plenty creepy. You don't need to show me the, 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 special the implication. Of violence or gore is often much more effective than the actual. Absolutely. I mean, not to knock on basically like watching Friday the Thirteenth and watching an arrow go through someone. Through. I mean, um, I enjoy some good fucking gore. Like, I like when a fucking lawnmower falls on a zombie's head and it blends. Like, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, but I mean, also like not to knock on like you watch Friday the Thirteenth and like all of a sudden you've got Kevin Bacon's neck being pierced by like an arrow or something. Fucking incredible special effects work, but that was what they were working with at that time. And saw, I watched it back and I went, "Wait a minute, there's oh. only one major gore moment in this mm-hmm. that you well maybe two. They have like one where they like cut to and all of a sudden you see that someone's like head got blown off by a shotgun, um, but you don't see you don't see it get blown up. You just cut to and it's there, uh, and you're like, oh okay, that's some pretty cool you know gore prop aesthetic, you know good stuff. But it's the whole movie. Sets you up from the top. You're like, this guy needs to saw his foot off. Boom. And you know that at the beginning. And the whole movie is them building up to this moment. Is he going to do it? And then he does it. And they don't show any of it. They do They do the one moment, the super basic, the really just the classic special effects where you get your, your, your dull blade. You put a little bit of red paint on the very edge of it. And then when you run it across skin, a little red line of liquid shows up and it looks like they've cut the skin and then they cut away and then they never show his foot area until at one point they cut back and they have a fake foot in the shackle. That is the goriest the movie gets. Mm -hmm. It is all about the psychological trauma inflicted on these people being chained to a radiator and trying to figure this out and i was like this is a mystery movie and a suspense movie and Mm -hmm. it's so well done oh my god i didn't expect it because james wan good at directing movies i I, in my (laughs) humble opinion (laughs) and then i was like wait that's the dude from princess bride like just a crazy yeah crazy fun time the cast was great it's also still very it's interesting because i've been recently been watching a lot of movies from this this time period right now i don't know what's in the water but i'm like let me watch saw and the blade trilogy right now and Hell everything yes. is either super blue or super green you know what i mean like they went oh, oh the matrix we, 
successful. Be- Let's just steal this color grade. I mean, because honestly, like, that fucking digital filter technology was very new, and so everyone was like, a new toy? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, Matrix, green, you know, like, any movie set in the Middle East or Mexico, yellow. Like, you just, like, fucking toss it on there. And honestly, one of the big early proponents of that were the fucking Coen brothers with Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Where, like... Oh. Oh, good. You, no one had ever oh, made a fucking movie that looked like that before because they were like, yeah. look at this new toy we get to play with. Uh, but do you know what? Do you know what the, again, another new thought, brilliant, jumping off my brain. Do you know what that Saw franchise trajectory where a small element of the original ends up taking over the franchise? You know what that's oddly analogous to? What? Home Alone. <gasps> you know how you watch Home Alone 1? Mm-hmm. And it's, like, an hour of this kid just, like, dealing with loneliness, learning how much he actually appreciates his family, becoming enamored with this, like, old man he was previously afraid of, and, like, about the reconciliation of family at Christmas. And then there's, like, 20 minutes of, you know, Joe Pesci getting an iron dropped on his head or whatever, <laughs> and how every sequel to Home Alone is you get 90%... The <laughs> He's whipping and bricks it's, off it's the, the roof. It's the same bad guy that escaped, and it's him. Just, just, it's, it's, it, it is, it is completely predicated on the suspension of disbelief that this insane coincidence would have happened. Could have happened. Right? Yeah. Not only did he get on the wrong flight to New York and manage to figure it out by himself with, um, oh my God, uh. Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Who, I don't know what happened in that movie. Tim Curry never aged for like 50 years, and then out of nowhere, he looks like a leather bag in that it, movie. It, it do be like that sometimes. It, it, you know, and I love him so much, but it was that movie, I don't know what it was. Anyway, so they go through that, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and now we're going to fight these same people again for a very long time. For the whole it's, film. The whole film. The whole film. But actually, another segue. Speaking of films of the era of Saw 1, uh-huh. you and I have a little tradition when Daddy Host is not around. We like to talk about bringing on the musical. And uh, oh That's right, you were just watching Bring <laughs> And I, previous to this recording, said, Hey, Jace, gonna be about ten minutes late. Finishing Bring It On. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a hot second. I gotta see how this Camp shakes Blackhead. out. I gotta see how this shakes out. Um, and you know what? Bring it on. Great movie. Great fucking movie. <laughs> great fucking Put movie. some fucking respect on Bring Put It On. Put some fucking respect. Honestly, great low-budget cinema, because that movie yeah. had, like, a shoestring fucking budget. You can tell the exact places where, like, a celebrity would have gone in a movie like Easy A or Mean Girls or something like that, but Bring It On just fucking straight up did not have the budget for that. Uh, I, I honestly prefer it. I think, like... I, yeah... We'll go about this. I, I have a, another spiel that, that reminded me of, but go, please, let's, please. by all but means, let's, let's stay let's, on bringing Let's on. dive into it. So I've obviously, I've been watching a lot of Sofia Coppola movies lately, and Kirsten Dunst is like her muse, one of the great actor-director pairs. And so I was like, I was in a Dunst place. I was like, I, want, I really want to like dive into this actor and like watch a lot of work uh, uh, with the Dunst. And I was like, you know, bring it on, stream it on Freecock. Uh, so let me, let me hop on and watch Bring It On with some ads. Let me hop on this free cock. Let me hop on the free cock. Let me Um, hop on the cock. Let me just... And, and it's, uh, you know, uh, for, for point of reference, anyone out there, like my, one of my favorite teen movies of all time is Easy A with Emma Stone. Uh, and this, this movie is in the same 
like comedy zone, like really heightened LA teens, but not quite to like the Mean Girls place where it's like a cartoon. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, which yeah. I like. I like Mean Girls uh, mostly. It's kind of very it's racist, uh, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of what it's kind of very racist. But um, it's Tina Fey, so yes. <laughs> so yeah, I think Tina. You know, yeah, at a certain sure. point. We all love 30 Rock, but at a certain point, you're like, well, Tina Fey's pretty racist against Asian people. <laughs> Amongst other marginalized communities. Amongst other groups, of course, yes. But um, I feel like Asian people, like, most of all. Uh, but uh, but uh, honestly, like, this is a teen film from the year of our Lord 2000 mm-hmm. about how white entertainers steal the work of exceptional yep. black artists and take it to success and claim all the credit for it. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> and their desire to rectify it by then becoming the white savior. Yeah, no, it is. And and how Gabrielle Union takes that fucking check and rips it up right in Kirsten Dunst's fucking iconic. Fucking face. Iconic. 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 Iconic, iconic moment. Uh, that like, you know, and, and I was like, I hope you know, I have enough trust in this movie that I hope that the Gabrielle Union team wins. That, like, our, you know, white squad has the, you know, like, the victory. We did some originality and come in second. And they fucking won! Like, Gabrielle Union wins! Yeah. Good movie! <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, just, it's incredible that they had the audacity to say, no, our protagonist isn't gonna win. Right! It's like Rocky. Like, Bring It On is like Rocky. And I'll say they I've are as Rocky, good but as each other. <laughs> Rocky does not win and Rocky won. The problem with the sequels is that Rocky starts winning. Uh, but at the end of Rocky, spoilers for this movie from fucking 1976, um, <laughs> Rocky does not win, but you're weeping because like, he went the distance with the champ, this little nobody from South Philly, you know, he, he went fucking 15 rounds with the champ. And that's the like moral victory. You know, in the end he has love and he succeeded but did not win the fucking first place trophy. You know what I mean? Um, bring it on, same thing. <laughs> Equally as, as high art, uh, the Academy fucking snubbed Bring It On. Uh, <laughs> oh, the Academy was not ready for a high camp, feminist forward, racially aware movie about cheerleading. I mean... <laughs> it's not ready like, for it. They weren't ready for it. It was ahead of its time. It's Honestly, like, cinema. the politics of it, for a movie from 2000? Aged remarkably. Also, deeply queer coded. (laughs) Oh, when Kirsten Dunst and Elijah Dushku were like sharing a bed on a sleepover? (laughs) Amongst other things. Amongst others. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I mean, you know, yes, Kirsten Dunst is flirting with the younger brother, but we all know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, like the the I love that you know you have throughout the entirety of Bring It On, you have the two like Mean Girl cheerleaders, and you think they're gonna stage like a fucking coup, you know, you think they're gonna yeah. defect or take over or whatever, and they just don't. Everyone comes together and does good cheerleading. They're like, they're the like okay, cut that shit out, <laughs> grow up. Unbelievable! Like, okay. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> they they subvert so many tropes. I, the other thing that's really exciting about that movie is that um, the younger brother, who the whole time is like cheerleading, dumb. It's a girl thing. By the end, he's like, he's like, ah, this is actually pretty you fucking cool. To show, like to, to have a movie where the where moralistically speaking, like you come out and it's very clear that the lens is saying like, hey, 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 boys, maybe, 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 maybe don't 
maybe don't don't be so misogynistic toward a, a like a like an athletic art form. Like I, maybe I, don't be such like homophobic little weirdos. Yeah, you know? maybe, maybe stop being a little shithead. How about that? Yeah, Should I don't. Stop being a little shithead. This is an idea. Yeah, no, great fuck, great fucking movie. Wow, great. Wow, we. I actually don't know the plot to the musical. I also don't. I have the soundtrack. <laughs> I know this one. I don't. I've never seen. Great bangers I've, in that. I feel oh, like they took bangers. elements from a few of the entries in the in the Bring It On. One of yeah, our great direct to DVD franchises. One of our like tantamount like. There are five direct to DVD sequels to bring it on. Um, it's a it's an empire. There's a there's a fucking Broadway musical. It takes <laughs> independent cinema darling Kirsten Dunst, catapults her to stardom. Then it comes fucking Spider Man, baby. Like she don't get Spider Man without bringing on. It's true. Without that. That's without so that weird. fucking juice. <laughs> I, you know, I'm I'm not, admittedly, I'm not a huge Dunst fan, but, like... Get on the Dunst train. Choo-choo. I know, I need to. But I, it's just, you know, and, and I do, honestly, I think most of the blame goes toward the way that female roles were written in the 2000s. I mean, that's absolutely true. Dunst, I mean, Dunst has been doing it since she was, like, 10 years old. You know, like, she's in, yeah, yeah. she's in, the, like, the 1994 Little Women with, like, Winona Ryder. She's doing something right, because she keeps getting hired. She's, she's in fucking she's... Interview with a Vampire, with, like, Tom Cruise oh. and, and Brad Pitt. She's, like, a thousand-year-old vampire, but she's in, like, a ten-year-old's body. You know, it's it's one of those. Um, right. <laughs> and, and she, like, she starts out as this indie darling with, shit, like, virgin suicides and everything we've just mentioned before. Uh-huh. Then she becomes, like, a big Hollywood star admittedly like she doesn't carry like a franchise you know she's she's the uh, second lead in the in the spider-man films and then you know mm-hmm. she goes through a lot of shit in her personal life she goes through substance abuse as as many young stars young right do. especially from that that decade basically yeah and then she like she comes out on the other side she goes back to her like low budget indie cinema roots indie roots yeah indie roots finds like a a man who loves her so much and they seem to be very happy together who's she with she's with jesse plemons um i don't know who that is good for her you've undoubtedly seen him around but he's like he's a very normal looking man like and i don't mean that in a disrespectful way he's a great like every man they were in fargo season two together playing a married couple and that's how they met and then they become a real life couple oh my god i know this guy yeah i knew you would i just wouldn't i'm like okay no scorsese game night friday night lights where you messiah that's what i know him from most yes he's the fbi agent in 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 judas and the black messiah excellent performance yeah um so they're together and they seem to be very happy and once every year or two (laughs) years you get to see like a great dumps performance now i'm loving it (laughs) Oh, he was in. Um, he was. In, do you remember that two thousand, that twenty twelve board game adaptation of Battleship? Oh Christ! Was that the one that, with Rihanna? Yeah, with Rihanna and the other guy from Friday Night Lights, Taylor Kitsch, and he, and they wanted to be Michael Bay Transformers so Alexander fucking bad. Guard. Wanted yeah. a what? They wanted to be Michael Bay Transformers so bad. It didn't work. 
It didn't. It I don't even know Michael Bay does Michael Bay. Quite frankly, like I don't I'm, know. He's the only one that does. We were. I actually <laughs> talked about this with Daddy Host a little last week, where it was like you don't appreciate Michael Bay until you see someone trying to be Michael Bay and you, completely Bay, falling apart. Yeah, it's. Uh, oh, this is the other reason I know him really well. The Black Mirror episode of the USS Callister, which is probably. One of my favorite Black Mirror episodes. Gotcha. I haven't, you know I haven't the Star seen Trek episode. I, I don't really watch Black Mirror, but... Okay. That's one I think you should watch. It's That's on the same, like, wavelength as, like, a San Junipero, where you just, you watch it, and you're like, oh, damn, this is actually a really good episode. Black Mirror, I mean, I have, I've seen all the episodes of Black Mirror. I think that they're, um... They're winding down. I can't imagine we're gonna get more of it at any point. If we do, it'll probably be, like, I don't know two episodes. Like they're running out of con- <laughs> they're running out of content because reality is far darker than they ever expected it to become. You know, like right, it's right, right. You, you want an episode of Black Mirror? Look fucking outside. Like it's right here. We're in it. Hi. Look in your you fucking know? hand, uh, man. That's a Black Mirror. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, but like, um, yeah, the USS Callister episode is stunning. Highly recommend watching that. Really cool take on virtual reality, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, autonomy. Just it's it's a really great. Honestly, it feels less like a Black Mirror episode and just a fucking phenomenal sci-fi mm. that is slightly influenced by some sort of fanfic of of um, of Star Trek. It's I mean it's it's really it's a really exceptional episode and I I highly recommend. But yes, Jesse Plemons is in that and he's one of the main characters and does a great fucking job on that one. What Understood. Cool, quite the great actor. Quite, quite the filmography that guy's got. And I'm seeing a, a number of them with the Dunst. With Very the Dunst. exciting. And oh, he's I... also in Jungle Cruise which is supposed to come out this year that I can't wait to not see. Um, uh, you know, I have AMC Stubbs where I can see, <laughs> like, like, three movies a week for free. And I'm like, you know, Blunt, Dwayne. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sit down for Jungle Cruise on, like, a Wednesday true. evening. Blunt is that also. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. It's, it's, it's Disney chasing another, um... <laughs> another Pirates of the Caribbean. They're like, look, we've got one of these classic movies. It's because, so, it's interesting. What people liked about Eddie Pirates Murphy of the Caribbean the is that it was based on a ride. That's what people liked. Well, that's, I mean, that's the, yeah. it's, and the thing was, like, it was so loosely based on the ride because the ride was so, like, basic, essentially How do you flawless. base anything on a ride? Like, it's just about pirates. I because that was the thing they were like oh we can actually do any plot we want with this right yeah because it's not a plot it's a ride right there's there's pirates and there's moments that you see oh they're chasing this one person now oh okay and then they came up with these characters that were beloved characters and they took great care in making sure that there were these consistent rules in the universe and blah blah good action good actors yeah and then they took it and then they reapplied some of the plot from those movies into the ride after the fact and it became a nice connected little moment good for them awesome great job on that yeah, imagineering connected to the cinematic <laughs> universe blah blah wow blah. love but, some brand integration yeah, way to go disney you did the thing that you're known for did your uh, whole shtick <laughs> but then um but the thing is before i'm pretty sure it was before we got pirates of the caribbean we got a fucking insane movie 
that is similarly the same exact premise, only Disney later on did not reapply stuff from the movie to the ride. Do you know where I'm going with this? Uh, it's not the Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy? It certainly is the Haunted Mansion okay. with Eddie uh, okay, here, take this Take this little uh, 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 grain. Same year as Pirates 1. <laughs> no shit. Same exact year. And it's amazing. Well, we you can watch, like... Battle. Yeah, they put two rocket ships that were, like, about... Or it's like a, it's like a drag race, you know? And, like, two cars are at the one starting of, line. And one of them... One of them... The exceptionally. One of them blew up at the starting line. One of line. them breaks the sound barrier. One of them does a backflip and explodes, you know? <laughs> Somehow ends up further behind the starting line than past it. Yeah, Absolutely. no, it's, I watched it. I think the most recent time that I watched Haunted Mansion was actually pre- this previous Halloween. Oh my God. Okay. okay. I watched it because I was like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Disney Plus was like pretty fresh at this point mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. Disney Plus is still, I keep forgetting, Disney Plus is like barely two year a year old yeah like, it was like still... well it was late 2019 or something like that or like early 2020 but yeah it's... so it's like a year old but of course it's already become a staple because disney is fucking disney but i remember yeah. i'm like yeah let's fucking watch it why not and it's halloween you know par for the course let's let's go with this eddie murphy in pretty prime eddie murphy territory oh my god if you don't know the ride going in to watching Haunted Mansion. None of it makes sense. Incomprehensible. <laughs> it is incomprehensible. Because the thing is, in the ride, it's like, oh, here's a bunch of spooky vignettes. And they were like, how do we connect them? And they were like, here's a loose plot. And then we're never going to explain <laughs> why all these things are on this property. We're just going to accept that this is the way that this haunted mansion exists in this universe. This um and it's 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 wild. Eddie Murphy plays like a real estate guy, <laughs> and he cares more about his job than he does about his kids. And then they go through this whole haunted thing. He almost loses his wife to a ghost, and the kids get really scared. And in the end, he learns to take time with his family. Apparently, it's a story about how men need to be supernaturally frightened by the potential of losing their spouse in order to give a shit about their family, which is just a great wholesome, you know, moral. <laughs> Something the whole family... I mean, like, that's the weird thing about so much family entertainment is so much family entertainment is about how much, like, husbands hate their families and w- wives like, hate their husbands. Because he's internalized capitalism and we should actually feel bad for him. It's like, <laughs> So, yeah. There was another thing I was going to bring up, but I can't remember. We were talking about the Dunst stuff, and there was another movie that it made me think of, and I said, let me put it on the back burner. Remember what I was talking about? What were we nope. talking about when I said that? <laughs> I'm going to listen back to this podcast and be like, oh, I want to talk about this, and I totally forgot it. Yeah, absolutely. I do that all the time. Actually, one thing I do is I'm, like, editing it, and I'm, like, listening to the track, and then a conversation will be going, and I'm like, oh, I wish I said this, and then I'll say that <laughs> in the in the recording. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, m- myself and past Kevin are on the same wavelength about like, what oh, should well. be said. Way, in to, go, way to go. You give yourself I'm like, oh, five. I do have this fucking brain. Yeah, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a, that actually is me. Whoa! Oh, it me! <laughs> this is, of course, Advanced Community Studies, a podcast uh, where we watch and talk about the American television comedy show Community, one or two episodes at a time. We are also the premier podcast at the Yahoo Screen Podcasting Network. Yahoo. I am one of your hosts, TV's Kevin Lanigan, but you can call me 
tiny nuggins. I'm a thief, and then nothing else on this sheet makes any sense. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jace. I use they-them pronouns, and, um... I mean, all I really have to say is, uh... Oh, what is... It's, uh... Oh, yeah. Goblin noises. <laughs> Goblin noises. Goblin uh, noises. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely fucking beautiful. Uh, maybe maybe we'll keep, like, this little intro section short, because we did a long uh, preamble about Saw and Kirsten Dunst. Um, <laughs> a backdoor pilot in for Dunstan checks in our Kirsten Dunst podcast. Um, honestly, I said that as a joke, but now I'm sitting here. You know, maybe. <laughs> You're doing more <laughs> no? podcasts on Kirsten Dunst? Maybe there's a mini-series potential in Kirsten Dunst, you know what I mean? Uh, anyway. Watch it. Would, I just watched, would, speaking of miniseries, I don't, I'm going to do this. I have to do it really, really briefly. You got to do it. Speaking of miniseries, I recently started watching with uh, Jesse Cat, my partner, uh, for those of you who don't know. Back um, which started with a miniseries and then went on to do two seasons. I think it's two seasons. Maybe there's a third. Um, what show did you say you cut out? Oh, Battlestar Galactica. Oh, I thought there were, like, way more seasons. I thought there were, like, five there seasons might, of Battlestar There might Galactica. actually be way more seasons. Are Just you watching the original, or are you watching the, the remake? There was a remake? It, it was, like, an old, like, 70s sci-fi show, and then they remade it in the 2000s with, like, Edward James almost. Oh, I'm watching the 2000s one, the one that started as a miniseries, and then they went on to do, like, a couple seasons. I don't know, Jesse Cat recently got uh, box sets of season one and season two, and the Hell season one yeah. box also includes a DVD with the entirety of the miniseries, not okay. split up into into episodes, literally one <laughs> shot. It is like a three-hour long watch. They took the MOV files of that miniseries and they laid them end-to-end end yes, <laughs> in iMovie no and they hit export. I had to pause several times for the restroom breaks because that was a three-to-four-hour experience. There are four there's, seasons of Battlestar Galactica. There are four. Okay. Well, I started drinking. You said miniseries, and that's what mm-hmm. came. Actually, from. season enjoying, four has um, uh, twenty episodes. So, <laughs> oh, so they went a little longer. They they upgraded from their twelve to thirteen episode season to a twenty episode closer. I'm just doing a four twenty joke, but it they it does have twenty oh. seasons. <laughs> oh, that's, twenty episodes. See, I don't know why. See, you did that motion, and 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 I, I now see that as you being like, ah, I've got a joint in my mouth, but I for some reason went Groucho Marx. Hey, oh, speaking of things I've been watching, I've been watching some Marx Brothers classics. Good, fucking films. iconic stuff. So oh, fucking fun. There are more great fucking one-liner jokes in Marx Brothers movie, in one Marx Brothers movie, than there are on most whole TV shows. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Groucho Marx is the grandfather of modern philosophy. Sure. <laughs> I mean, that's it was joke. the great I philosophy. That's, that's a stolen joke. There's one of my favorite uh, books of all time is... Do I have it right here? Uh, I don't. It's called Plato and a Platypus Walk into a Bar. Oh. You've brought this up before. through jokes. It is a phenomenal read for anybody who's lightly interested in philosophy or comedy or both, you know, for that matter. But it kind of it goes through certain basic concepts of philosophy um, and it explains how just all of comedy uh, is based on under is all of comedy relies on taking advantage of certain philosophical concepts. 
And so it says, here's this philosophical concept, and now here's a bunch of jokes that are funny because they play off of these concepts. And it's great because also you, cause you'll go through it and you'll be like, oh, philosophy, and then it'll explain it in a kind of silly way and you'll learn about it. But interspersed throughout each chapter are jokes, literal jokes, whether it's like paragraph-long story form jokes or like doctor, doctor jokes, you know, like one of those things, yeah. basically variations on the knock, knock with a slightly, you know, elevated lens, if you will. Um, fucking phenomenal read, really great stuff. But one of the things that it does at the very beginning is, is dedication is they basically say, uh, they're like, honestly, Groucho Marx is like the, mo- the father of modern philosophy. And they may, they say that as a joke, basically being like, he is so good at these one liners because they all touch so distinctly on these philosophical concepts that we just like accept and they're so good and they're so funny because he's just tapped into that kind of knowing and oh i was obsessed with the marx brothers as a youth i got how are you watching them uh, a bunch of them are on uh criterion right now I'm sure there might be a few streaming in other places. Criterion and HBO Max have like a lot of cross pollination, so I might try my luck on HBO. But you do have my Criterion login. Um, I believe I do. Yeah. Yes, and there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on there. They got a whole like I think they have like eleven Marx Brothers movies, but some of them are leaving at the end of the month, so you got to chop chop pop too. Um, anyway. I'm signing in right now to take a look and see. Cause... Take a look. Because I love me some some, some Groucho. I mean, honestly, my favorite thing was Harpo Marx, quite frankly. That makes a lot of sense for you. Yeah, right? I mean, I've always been obsessed with physical comedy, you know, Mm -hmm. and I just... A living cartoon character is is Harpo Marx, even more so than the other Marx Brothers. Uh, um, Groucho was the witty one, Chico was the Italian one, and... Harpo was the Holy handsome. Holy no, shit, they've got so many. Yeah, they've got a lot. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, the, do you know the story behind why Harpo Marx doesn't speak in any of the movies? Uh, no. It's so good. I was, I was this kind of nerd. He <laughs> used to speak. And so they were, you know, vaudeville performers. They would perform on stage. They'd go around the country doing yeah, their Yeah, they would take their, like, movie concepts around the country and, like workshop these movies as like stage shows and then they would like refine film. it down and fix the jokes and then they just film a movie based right. on and that earlier stage. on so earlier on when they first were getting started harpo used to speak harpo was a fully speaking character um that characterization and he was very commonly speaking and uh <laughs> the story goes that they were performing and somebody was just intensely harsh and was like, you should stop, boo, you should stop talking. You're not funny. And he went, fuck you. Okay, I will. And so he just stopped speaking. <laughs> and it became one of the most iconic, icon- it's iconic. Like nobody, nobody comes close to the kind of physical prowess that Harpo Marx brought. I remember so distinctly and it's etched into my brain. I couldn't tell you which Marx brother it is. Uh, not which Marx brother, which Marx brothers film it is, but uh, Harpo finds this one place and there's this uh, there's a stool in front of piano and of a piano and people mistake him for being a famous piano player and he's like oh okay I guess I'll prepare for this this moment let me go ahead and I guess I'll play piano for them knowing damn well that he actually can't play piano and he starts cleaning off the stool 
and he starts hitting it and hitting it and hitting it, and it's the the top of the stool seat starts spinning and spinning and spinning, mm-hmm. and then he sits down on it, and his whole body gets ejected, like a <laughs> hundred yards away, and it is so fucking funny. And I wish I remember which one it was from, but I remember it just etched in my brain of like, like. A, a living cartoon character like unbelievable unbelievable stuff i cannot wait to go. um yeah anyway uh everyone marx brothers check them out watch them watch them watch uh, I, I vouch for duck soup personally that's my favorite great one. one great but one. you honestly you honestly can't miss in my experience not, even their bad ones are good ones you know you know they just they just know it yeah they just they they just under i mean not it's, sure how much of it ages super well. A lot of it is like chasing a girl. Honestly, of we've been watching quite a few of them recently. Only one has featured prominent girl chasing. So, like for the most part, I think it's pretty right. okay. It's. I, I mean, it's, it's a very common theme, specifically with Harpo. Honestly, just because, yes. like, yeah. because that's that's the way that they can get Harpo away from the action so they can actually have scenes is they yeah. go hot girl walks by and Harpo goes honk honk and then leaves the stage right hey, so awesome. that's kind of their running bit it was par for the course at that time period but I mean aside from that Harpo mostly just hangs out by himself puts his leg in other people's hands honks and jumps into barrels drops knives out of his sleeves just a <laughs> fucking weirdo I love bunch it. of weird horse shit uh Mark's brothers check him out yeah, let's get into the episode, yeah? Yeah, let's get into it, shall we? <laughs> uh, season 5. Episode 10. Finally. Advanced, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Directed uh, by... Not their most creative title. <laughs> new! Uh, but I guess if you... Because normally their structure is like, okay, we start with basic, and then we do like intermediate or advanced. But like, when you start with advanced, I guess you just add another one on there. But uh, I... I let me tell you a little bit about the, about the production of this episode in, in Ooh, just a sec. Geez, I'm so um, directed by Joe Russo, his final uh, community directing Russo credit. Um, everyone play as we go on. We remember all the times we had together. Um, we remember. And uh, written by Matt Roller in this episode, the study group decides that the way to bridge the uh, emotional gap between Hickey and his son, uh, played by guest star David Cross, uh, is with a game (laughs) of Dungeons and Dragons at Abed's apartment. And it goes, you know, about as well as you might expect. You'd expect uh, it to, yeah. As about that to go. Um, You know... Who and I think this is a is a fine episode. There's like good laughs. It's not like one of the all time greats. You know who fucking takes this episode and saves it with his own two hand. You know who's Jim holding Rash. Jim fucking Rash. Jim Rash holds <laughs> the fucking fort incredible way down. Jim Rash's episode and we don't even realize it. But yeah, we don't even realize. It. I think I think Jonathan Banks is also like equally excellent. Um, John- but like. But yeah, he's Hickey. Yeah, um, I, mean, I think. No, he, I think this is his episode to do so in. You know. Yeah, this is as much. Uh, this is one of the like few Hickey spotlights that we get. It's the last one because like from here on out we're doing GI Jeff and then it's like season finale business. You know, we're we're on a roll. Uh, <laughs> bless my soul. Herc was on a roll. Oh my God, uh, we're but in last season. Oh wow. Wow. Um, but Jim Rash is on a, he's on another fucking plane of existence in this episode. <laughs> the, the fucking, like, 
shirt business where he's sending yeah. messages. The the pantomime of getting stabbed to death. Self hug his father. Who is I hug my father. Clearly a younger man than him. Oh my god. It's so good. It's and so pull, good. Like pulls out the folded photo of Jeff from his pocket, <laughs> presumably because that's just something he carries with him. I mean carries with the him. character development that went into this episode, Forge, it's stunning. Stunning. He's on the like be gone, spiders. I will not roll you up in a magazine and let you outside on this day. <laughs> and, and then uh sheath your sword. Just Take I, that's the other thing is because he takes it so seriously, he's so uh, in character. Which is good because so we're so good. used to only seeing Abed take it that seriously. Mm-hmm. And you know, you would sometimes see Troy in the past take it very seriously mm-hmm. as well. But he's also so stupid, so wholesome, so oh, dumb. Oh, such a dumb little boy. <laughs> so like he, he he would be like, I'm dumb, but I'm here, you know. But Jim, <laughs> Dean. <laughs> Jeff, not Jeff. What is the dean's real name? Craig. Craig Pelton. Craig. Craig Pelton. Thank you. <laughs> Craig. <laughs> Craig over here, fully with it, committed to the game, but also, it's exciting because you look at it and you're like, oh, he's committed to this game because he goes, I can get closer to Jeffrey with this, and it's exactly. stunning. And it also provides a platform for Hickey's son, yes, to do what he needs to do and be taken seriously. <laughs> cut away when they cut back and it's him singing a song and what's like what elvish or something yeah some fake ass like fantasy language like fully committed to that bit i i really go uh, i i i'm hit or miss i'm hot and cold on david cross just like I'm as exactly a same way with david cross i love him on arrested development he's yes, I was one of my favorite fucking parts of that show honestly anything else not really on board <laughs> I think my first introduction to him is actually men in black where he's oh, at he is good that in those. video store and he's he just nerdy good. and he's this kind of homebody he's like you got the pizza bites like it's a great role because it's not like intensely funny it's just exactly the brand of awkward that he goes with and it feels like they picked him for this because he's like very clearly all right pick a comedian that looks looks like he plays D&D. It's fucking this guy. Yeah, he's just, just... He's one of those guys that's so respected in, like, the comedy community. Yeah. And I just don't get it. I he's just got don't... moments where I love him. Like, like right with you. Like, Arrested Development, he's fucking hilarious. Oh he's God, one of the best parts of the show. Un- and I unreal. haven't watched most of that show, but anytime... Anytime I click onto it or someone's watching it and I sit down with them, I go, this guy's fucking funny. <laughs> this, guy, this guy gets it. But aside from that, I'm usually like, okay, he's good with the character, but it also strikes me in the same vein. It's, it's, it's a common thread I see with a lot of, like, super famous comedians, like the well-revered ones. Some of them are just hysterical, and some of them are just, like, awkward guys Uh-huh. that, like, for some mm-hmm. reason are beloved – Who's the other one I was thinking of? Oh, I, uh, Tim. The Tim Heidegger. Tim Heidegger, who recently discussed, yes. Also, very similarly, like, super hit or miss for me because has some funny moments, but also I'm like, you're just kind of like an awkward guy. Like, you're just kind of awkward and people... It buzzes that line... Buzzes. It toes that line 
that he also uses in his own show, and that is nothing is funnier than real people that are just so beyond awkward. That's their theory, right? You watch mm-hmm. Tim and Eric, and they do these commercials, and they've hired people who are clearly, like, actors that aren't good actors. And they yes. just, they're, like, people that are just bad, and they're like, no, we're not laughing at them. We're laughing with them. But I'm at the back of my head, I'm like, fuck you. You're laughing at but them. you're also laughing at, at them. them. It's exactly the same reason. It's the same way I feel about Garrett. I'm like, is he respected because he's funny or – is he respected because you can laugh at him and he doesn't fight back? What is it? You know, are we just exploiting this guy's awkwardness and then being like, oh, we love you, guy, because we can just shit on you and you won't do anything. It You're feels right. exploitive. That's how I feel about this guy as well, except <laughs> except there's a decidedly numerable occasions where I go, no, this man is legitimately hilarious. Mm-hmm. So it's Absolutely. really confusing. This guy in particular is very confusing in how drastically he shifts. And I think it's because when he's really funny, it's him being insanely absurd. And most of the time, he's not being absurd. Arrested That's Development, it. pure absurd. He paints himself blue. He wears shorts under his shorts. Like, none of it's crazy. Tobias, you blow him, hard. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's because he's so, like casual and just like presentational it's like there's nothing there's nothing special or flary or you know there's no ornamentation on the way that he presents stuff which is a talent especially exploited in comedy it's one of the reasons why will ferrell is so beloved is because he could just fucking say something and they're like cut print you know but when it's something you can't fucking teach is that like god will ferrell's just funny like a lot of his movies yeah, aren't even that funny, but you're like, this is a funny guy. This guy's just funny. He looks funny. He sounds <laughs> funny. And I don't mean look funny like he's not like attractive. He's just oh, like, he's oddly proportioned in a way that you want like a comedy leading man to be. I The funniest thing I've ever seen Will Ferrell do is, uh, I think he did it for Funny or Die, where the baby landlord, that shit fucking sends me. It's so funny. Oh yeah, it was it was a huge it was like before we'd invented viral internet videos, like that was a viral internet video. Like everyone saw saw the landlord. It launched Funny or Die the website. It was like it was their flagship video. Um, One of the funniest things I've ever seen Will Ferrell do, but that's because he's just like You're you're a baby. You're you're a baby. And it <laughs> he's just it's right there, but like I because the other thing is I've seen and maybe it's because I was too young to be watching some of his more well-acclaimed stuff. But I used to just not get Will Ferrell. People were obsessed with him, and I would always be like, my favorite things about Will Ferrell movies are not Will Ferrell. And as I've gotten older, I've been like, no, this man's a fucking genius. This guy is brilliant. He's just brilliant. And I gotta, like, I, you know, I think as a producer, he does a lot of work, like, bringing up, like, up-and-coming like uh, uh, comedians and filmmakers and like i gotta respect that this guy became like the biggest comedy sensation of you know the 2000s or whatever and then he's like i'm just gonna go do some weird shit actually i'm gonna go do uh casa de mi padre where i do the entire movie in spanish for (laughs) no particular reason uh because i can (laughs) because yeah (laughs) no one is stopping me (laughs) And I respect that always. Like, I, I gotta give it up. That Will is just, I, he's off, he's off doing some weird shit. It's, it's amazing to see how, like, of the Saturday Night Live crew, 
he's kind of just this this freak. You know, you look at like the careers. <laughs> You look at the careers of nasty freak. He's just a freaky dude. No, you look at the careers of people that came out of Saturday Night Live, and some of them are massive, insane careers. Adam Sandler is a fucking mogul, right? The most loved. He's an empire. He's He's an empire in himself, and that's mostly because apparently, like, if you know him in real life, it is impossible not to fucking love this guy. Like, he's apparently the most likable dude ever. Meanwhile, Rob Schneider who is somehow, like, his best friend, is fucking god-awful. He is not funny at all. Just a miserable fucking <laughs> clown. Like, miserable it's, to watch and just a miserable man. Just a miserable man, man who is unhappy. It's, his entire career has been built on the back of Adam Sandler, and for some reason he And he hates that, that so much. So much. Uh, yeah. And you but also, at, his entire career is him just being racist. Period. End of statement. Correct. In it's Adam Sandler group. films, yes. In Adam Sandler films. <laughs> Adam Sandler's like, look, I don't want to get all the flack for this, but I do have a racist bit in my movie. Will you do it? And he's like, I have no problems being a total dick. Yeah. So it's, it's what, but like Will Ferrell, of, I mean, you know, you've got the Jimmy Jimmy Fallon's, you've got Seth Meyers. I mean, uh, even you know John Mulaney, but John Mulaney's also an edge case because he was a writer that is just, he's just fucking John Mulaney. He's yeah, he was John Mulaney's weird because he was like a kind of like. Not like super famous stand up before Saturday Night Live, no. but like he was known. He had like known stand up bits, and then he just like goes to write for SNL for like eight years or whatever. Yeah, um, and then he catapults out and he becomes the biggest stand up in the world. You know, like the he. World. And then, or then you can look. You can look at Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, who have both have massive careers themselves because of SNL. You've got um, Mike Myers. Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, who had Going another back, show that was Dan great. Aykroyd, John Belushi. Like, there's some great names that come Chevy out of this. Chevy Chase. <laughs> um, Bill Murray. <laughs> um, no, it's insane, the people that have come out of there. But when you Absolutely. look... Uh, actually, Robert Downey I would, Jr. I would actually put Bill Murray in a very similar boat to Will Ferrell of just like... Imme- Ooh, that was terrible. I put him in a very similar boat because, uh-huh. like, they came out and they're just fucking beloved and even their biggest stinkers are great right like absolutely you know any regrets he goes garfield too right you know like those kind of jokes garfield maybe kind of stuff but even those not i don't want to say they're not bad no i think bill murray is like a bad man but like he is a good actor and performer and i can't i can't oh he's he's not good he's a bad man uh like like uh uh spousal abuse for one um his like weird habit of uh showing up at other people's uh functions and making them all about him being (laughs) impossible to work with um holding grudges for decades over nothing see i don't keep up with this shit so then oh yeah so i'm sorry but will ferrell this is so funny because we were talking about cross and <laughs> never thinking about Farrell. Yeah, just, just here but will ferrell just kind of is this like this freak that just came out of snl <laughs> and it's just like i'm sorry calling someone a freak is funny <laughs> <laughs> i mean it in the most beloved way freak. will ferrell if for some reason you are listening to this uh if you don't like being called a freak i i, I do hereby proclaim <laughs> my apologies to you on a formal platform but like oh my god just like comes out of this show and establishes himself as one of the defining comedic talents of 
not just of his generation. generation, multiple <laughs> generations. He's like, <laughs> like, he, like when you look at like the twentieth century of comedy, Will Ferrell is one of those names that's just like he didn't have a production studio like Adam Sandler. He doesn't have like sitcom after sitcom after sitcom mm-hmm. like he didn't have a tone that inspired the entire aesthetic of a channel i'm looking at you tina fey anything that moved to nbc after you became super famous just reeked of tina fey you know what i'm talking about no like, absolutely nine nine got bought by by nbc and all of a sudden it was it just it just got tina fade a bit even though yeah, i don't absolutely know there it's just anyway I, no just, I, I get you i know what you mean actually like speaking of Brooklyn i nine like the 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 only comedic force to come after will ferrell that i think has like matched it andy was samberg. andy samberg yeah who like the lonely andy island andy like defined a millennium of comedy like the lonely island the, the digital the shorts yeah Oh, Everything. the digital shorts. No, he, yeah. He, the music yeah. videos, I, the, it was, it defined everyone who has come since is ripping off the Lonely Island in some way or another. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Much say. The oh, most God. famous. It's, it's still the fucking funniest thing I've ever, like, it's still so <laughs> fucking funny after all this time. And, like, mainstream comedy movies are not in a great place, but, like, The Lonely Island consistently puts out fucking bangers. <laughs> like, um, no, I mean, the other thing is, I mean, especially because, like, the aesthetics of comedy right now don't align with the contemporary art aesthetics, right, in, in so far as long form. Like, people are realizing, oh, we have to do a lot of work on what the genre what is expected of the genre for us to be able to make a successful venture into a comedy feature at this point. Yeah. I mean, movies have just become franchises and brand IP and like the, the budgets get bigger. Did you watch Eurovision? I did. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was all right. But I looked at it and I went, there's nothing new about this. This is still an old school comedy. That's right. Rachel McAdams is incredible in it, actually. I think she's excellent as a as a comedic. But it's also unexpected because she's not like like Rachel McAdams is is great, but she's not known for her comedy stuff. Yeah, she's on a tip right now. Did you see Game Night? No. Oh, it's excellent. It's really. Which good. one's Game Night? Uh, it has Jesse Plemons in it. Actually, the aforementioned Shut Jesse up. Plemons. <laughs> um, it's. I don't want to give away too much because I actually think like the surprise of what it's doing is a huge part of like why it would appeal to you when you're watching it for the first time. But it's about like a very competitive game night with a bunch of couples that goes in notch when Max's brother Brooks arranges a murder mystery party. It's a, it's a whole, it's you'll, you'll like, I don't know why you wouldn't dig it. You'll dig it. Uh, just like rent it. We got Jason Bateman also from Arrested Development. Uh, Jesse Plemons. Lamorne Morris from New Girl. Uh, I, I love Lamar Morris. I actually don't think I knew his name that well. Mm-hmm. Michael C. Hall, Dexter. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, it's it. We're fucking. It's a stacked fucking cast. Um, Jeffrey Light from um, Westworld. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Have a good time. Put on rent rent game night sometime. Or like I own it. Come over to my place. Watch game night. You have it on DVD or you own it like on digital? I own it on the PlayStation. Um, oh, but- Oh it my lives God. in my place. Yeah, I'd love to come over and watch it. That sounds like a great time. Oh what yeah, so... vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Yeah. If you're listening, you're not vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. I mean, you know, it's your body. Do what you want to do, but like, get fucking vaccinated. But like, get fucking vaccinated if you can. Obviously, some if people can, cannot. If for, you can, if you can, if you can. I understand. 
lot of uh, you know different things. Anyway, we got on this tangent because of, of Mr. Cross, as it were. Yes, Mr. Um, Cross has set us off. He was on actually a, on a pretty a, good job in this in this in this role he's okay. because he's okay. It's it's not like wow that's amazing, but it's also because it's exactly what you would expect from him, and he just he just delivers. So it's he like he holds down the emotional component of it, but I like he doesn't really do anything here that makes me laugh. But he holds down yeah. the what you need him to do to make this, this episode, episode as interesting as it is. Laugh too much though, as a whole. No, no. There's a lot of weird. Th- okay, so let me let me actually let me tell you about the production of this episode. Tell me. Tell me. Um, so the other day, my internet was out, and I needed oh, to okay. watch an episode of Community, and so I pulled out my season five DVD set, um, and I was like, I watched the episode I needed to watch. I think it was VCR maintenance, but then. I was like, what is this special feature on the season five DVD? And it's called Advanced Television Production. And it's like an hour long documentary about how it, it we start like in media res. They're writing this episode and slowly it's revealed that they are filming it at the same time and they have not like written the second half of the episode as yeah who were we talking to that was talking about how that was actually a pretty common practice in some of the earlier seasons um we've we've talked to several people and people are like somewhat knowledgeable about that but like this is like this needs to be like we are shooting pages and we don't even know it's not that we're rewriting we are right like we have, right. we have nothing <laughs> it's not that we need to fix it it's we actually don't know what's happening we don't point. know what's happening and we don't know what we're building to so we're like watching them make it at the same time that they're like editing the beginning of it and they're like we haven't even thought of what the last two episodes of this season are going to be like we don't know what any of this is going to be um so like if this episode feels a little like disjointed and not fully thought out that's because it isn't <laughs> that's because it doesn't and there's still yeah, great ep- bits i think you can tell honestly because there's a few episodes where it feels like that and i think a common theme for them is when you watch the end tag they feel uh-huh. kind of uh hardly related as opposed to the ones that are like really well thought out where the end tag feels like deeply connected to the episode you just watched they're like okay yeah. and abed plays D tea party with some stuffed animals and Annie yeah. pops in and is like, I'm your roommate. And he goes, okay. You know, like, that's... Yeah, I, I can't sleep without my stuffies. Um, you know, whatever. And it's... it's oh, it's, look, you all it, die. All yeah, dead. exactly. Um, it's it's okay. Like, it's it's fine. And I, I like this episode fine enough. There's great, there's great moments. I like the interrogation. I like Hickey. The interrogation is Look, stunning. I'm putting, no, my, actually, I'm putting my knife down on the table. We can just talk. And the way and he like plays. The, the, the lens that they use, that split focus lens. It's that's, it's moments like that. It's interesting because this episode, not my favorite, but that moment is one of those moments that goes, that makes me go, this is why I love this show. And it's awesome yeah. that even in some of their not as awesome episodes, they have moments that make me go, God, I fucking love this. Because yeah. that. It's just so clever, and the way that they pull that off, and you know, they and, and there's moments like they nail the pastiche, even when it's not that funny. They're in the other room, and Kevin just fucking spits on the floor in a bedroom. Like that's hysterical, like objectively uh-huh. funny moment, and it feels 
like, you know, you're standing on a hill outside in Lord of the Rings and someone's saying, we must do this, and someone's fucking fed up and they just spit because they're distracted with whatever's going on in their internal systems. They're traumatized from the earlier events from falling off of a bridge into Skull River or whatever the fuck it's called. And, like, it's... They nail it. They absolutely nail it. It's just there's something about it you can kind of tell that it's like there's usually this kind of interconnected tissue that the show has that uh, it's just not quite as present. It's still yeah. I think the per- the performers are really holding this down, but as there's weird bits do. where I'm like, Shirley gets taken out in the middle of this kind of for no reason. Like it doesn't really like add to it in the way that no, like when Chang Shirley gets taken out in again, it, mm-hmm. yeah. It when was... when when Chang gets taken out in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, the original, it's like a big moment and a big joke and a whole and a whole thing. Shirley just kind of leaves. <laughs> it's he, Shirley gets killed in that moment just to prove to Hickey that like, hey, this is not what you fucking think it is. To raise the stakes, right? Raise it's stakes. like, okay, cool. Kill the black woman. Great job. It's like, yeah, it's like when you're watching a zombie movie and you're like, there's a few too many people here. Most Who's of them don't really first? have anything the to do. Shirt. The black yeah, guy. The red, right, yeah, it's, 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 exactly. She gets redshirted. It's like, huh, who's going down to this planet? Okay, Kirk, Spock, okay, McCoy checks out. This, Jenkins... <laughs> Who's Jenkins? Oh, Jenkins dies, right? He gets killed by a a lava monster. It's it's, it's Galaxy Quest, which... Yeah, oh, I was just thinking the same thing. That I gotta watch again. One of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Sam Sam Rockwell as Guy Fleegman, the red shirt who uh, gets brought onto the ship and is just petrified the entire time he's gonna die. Uh, Is there air? You don't know! (laughs) It's uh, so good. I gotta watch that one again. Watch Galaxy Quest, everyone. Uh, watch it. Yeah, watch yeah. You're right. Like the I don't know if it's like a full split diopter, but like yeah, the like every like foreground, yeah. background in focus. Like we're switching back and forth. Pootie's obviously great. Jonathan Banks is great. Um, they changed the staging well enough that you're like I complete like it's yeah. So, they flip it. They flip it entirely so you know that it's a different. That it's so subtle. But it's really difficult to pull off, like, what they do in that moment, where you fully comprehend, we're doing good cop, bad cop, and we're just, like, moving one inch to the left, you know? It's, it's, right. and, it's and it's also, it's, it's because of the lens. So the lens, it, it, the lens serves a narrative purpose in that moment, and that's what's so exciting about it. Like, that lens, of course, you know, whenever it's used is typically when it's done effectively for a narrative purpose. But the fact that they say, hey, we're going to use this lens and we're going to flip it back and forth so that we can see this dynamic played out. It's in both of these shots, back and forth, we understand that the hobgoblin that that Abed is being is where all of your attention should be. And there's this looming presence in the form of Hickey. And then Mm -hmm. when we switch to the other side, it's the same setup, except now it's a different character. And it also implies in the background... I find it funny in that moment also because it's not a super funny moment, but it's also incredibly funny because it also implies that, that Hickey at some point stands just... up, walks to the other side in order to treat Abed as a different person and then stands up, walks to the other side, does it again. I mean, it's, <laughs> what it implies is really funny. And it's it's such a great use of that that le- that lens that it's uh, it's really cool. Right. Actually, I, I can't see that lens though without thinking of this video I saw on YouTube um, that was talking about Toy Story 4. 
uh-huh. and how Toy Story 4 started doing this thing where they uh, digitized different kinds of cameras and lenses as part of what they were doing because the, the tech is just that advanced now, which is fucking insane. Mm-hmm. But like how they, they had that split focus lens at one point in the movie. And it looks very – it's got that blur right in the middle as well. And they're like, it looks that way because it's based off of a real thing. And how that whole movie – you can do whatever you want because it's digital. But it's all based in techniques that we're familiar with in the real world. And it just goes to make these things seem more real in that context. Yeah, because Pixar is much more based on – live action as just speaking of like cinematic techniques and framing it's much more similar to a live action piece that would use real yeah. actors than it is to looney tunes you know it's, yeah. it's much more similar in its visual language to like a, a live action piece than it is yeah. to most of things that we would think of like a capital c cartoon uh um, right, anyway right. you know pixar's on some tip pixar's on some shit i don't know <laughs> pixar's doing a lot of stuff but I, like, it's I, like thank you Pixar. I don't know what Pixar is doing anymore. I think the Luca is the next Disney Pixar. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I, I I'm not I'm not sitting here like putting them on my calendar anymore. I'm just like every so often I'm like watching something and I see an ad and I'm like, oh, there's a new Pixar movie coming out. <laughs> that might be pretty good. Oh, Soul seems seems interesting. <laughs> Soul had its moments. I had I have some some complaints. I have some quibbles, but I also wept like a baby. You know what I mean? It's like... Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just filled with existential dread after that one. So, thanks, Yeah. Pixar. I I, I, I want to ask more parents. I'm like, okay, did your kid like Soul? Are we, like... Has Pixar finally, like, pushed past, like, we finally made like one that's... Like children? <laughs> yeah. Is this... Is this, like, this kids is like this? This is actually a movie for at adults at this point. all? Um... But anyway, yeah, this is good. And uh, to, to speak about like one other thing about this episode that I really want to, to yes, touch yeah. on is the is the resolution, or even more so, the lack thereof. The resolution. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like whereas last week with uh, VCR maintenance and educational publishing, Daddy Host and I were talking about how those plot lines just sort of end. Like there's not really any resolution to what happens. It's just like well, all the plots just sort of. Stopped happening. Damn, they died. <laughs> uh, you know, it's always sunny. Dennis is like, and then they just end. Uh, but this episode, you the lack of resolution is the point. Like the yeah. the that that Hickey and his son, whatever his son's name is, that they <laughs> haven't like cured. 40 plus years of emotional damage through one episode of Dungeons and Dragons like we did with with uh, Neil in the previous Dungeons and Dragons but it's like what what happens feels much more quote unquote real and uh-huh. like emotionally honest is that like the accomplishment is that like this father and son are doing something together. They're communicating. They're expressing Which, how they feel. And, and it's through a game, but, like, that, I mean, uh, I, uh, can I, may I speak for a moment on male friendships? <laughs> like, well, by all means, please do. I, that, I'm like, your take in, on that. It, it's partially the way that men are socialized, mm-hmm. and I, uh, other people can speak to other factors, but, like, a lot of male friendship is based on a shared activity, mm-hmm. and yep. that is, like, what are podcasts, if not the cigar lounge of the 21st century? You know, like we as men, quote unquote, you know, like traditional masculinity, it's hard for men to uh, 
relate to one another in just like we can't just hang out but like we can have an emotional experience that they're not allowed to do it without having some mutual that's why sports are so popular because they're a commonly it's accepted a communal shared emotional male activity. And like obviously sports are not exclusively male, that's not what I meant, but like that 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 is why sports is so powerful and sports movies are so powerful for so many like dads. There's socially like, permissible spaces for men to express emotion. To get right. emotion. Like to like triumph and joy and that communal to togetherness. And like, yeah, of course that's like people will often, you know, dissuade, like, oh, the boys are watching the game, or oh, the guys are playing Halo again. But, like, no, that is... That is the shared male emotional space, is playing Smash Bros. Right, I think it's... Yeah. No, that's interesting. <laughs> that's an interesting lens on that. I think, because I... As someone that is removed from that... Because I, I have those moments where I'm like, oh, the boys are doing sports. Oh, the boys are playing video games. You know, and it's... And to look at that, I for me, that critique of that moment has less to do with like, oh, I'm, you know, like, I don't like that men have something where they can bond. It's more so, <laughs> it's more so being so fed up with patriarchal expectations. Certainly. Let me preface Absolutely. it with this. Absolutely. Let me preface it with this. Patriarchy harms everyone, right? Patriarchy sure. harms men as well as women, as well as everybody else outside the binary, et cetera, et cetera. Agreed. And by relegating male emotional intimacy to these forms, it becomes toxically so. Because it's the second, when you deprive someone of something for your entire fucking life, and then you say, hey, you're only allowed to do it in this one circumstance, it becomes a really toxic environment. Because it can't be questioned. It can't, mm -hmm. we can't look at it and expand out of it. And it's, it becomes a scapegoat for all these different things. So when I look at it as the, oh, the boys are, you know, watching sports again, not that there's a bad environment, because there have been plenty of times where I've sat down and, not plenty of times, let's be honest. There have been times when I've sat down and there's been sports playing and I've enjoyed myself because like there's fun moments. I usually just like, I like the snacks and I like the laughing and the goofing it's a, off. It's That's, a social activity. It's right. like, like we were talking about earlier with the Oscars. It's like, it's not really about the Oscars. Like it's it's a social activity. Like right. hating the Oscars, the Oscars is part the of the Oscars. They benefit production companies that make these movies. They don't help the actors. They don't help. It's, it's just, it's all bullshit. But the idea that patriarchy has relegated these relationships to these spaces that when we say, no, the boys are doing this again, it's because it's frustrating. It's because that is such a deeply needed sense of escape. And it is misplaced. I agree. You know, this frustration, oh, you know, they keep doing this. And it's like, well, it's because they've been deprived of these spaces. And it's frustrating. And I, and I go, I don't understand sports because – even though it is a space where, like, oh, yes, a male, male intimacy is permitted, if you will, um, yep. it's still shrouded in layers and layers of obfuscation and performative nature. And it's like, oh, but it's, it's just sports, so I'm not even being emotional, right? Where men are fucking emotional as hell. Oh, my Absolutely. God. Like, insanely emotionally volatile creatures because they're not permitted to share their emotions. So when I see men doing sports and getting really into it, it's frustrating because I look at it and it's from a liberation perspective. I'm not mad at these men who are stuck in this situation. I am mad that we are, have societally ingrained this patriarchal structure so much so that the only sense of vulnerability they are permitted is within this 
still toxic. I mean, I could also go on a rant on how I view the mainstream football, um, American football, just in the way that it's presented and all this stuff to be a just a, a center for everything I find wrong with society. Yeah, I mean, also the NFL is like a living nightmare, right? Like the NFL. Not, excluding, <laughs> excluding, like, I mean, maybe it is the NFL itself, but just like the way that the advertisements are placed, the way that the misogyny is involved, homophobia, like every yeah, single yeah, yeah. issue, hot button topic I have, capitalism, every single hot button topic <laughs> issue that I have has a present influencer in football, more so than I would say in other, certain other sports as well. Um, and I just I, look at it and I go, if we just, if we just said, hey, it's just, it's, it's, I just want liberation for all, and it's upsetting. Absolutely. I it's, it's, and I, and I completely agree with you. And, and as someone who's like at a point in their media watching career where I'm like, enough with dad, enough with daddy didn't hug me. Like, can we collectively like take a break from this being the subject of like every space movie right like can we can we just like take a break <laughs> from like daddy daddy wasn't there to like sing a song from austin powers and gold member you know like fucking can we, can we take a hiatus on this but it, it this feels this is this is one of the recent expressions of it that i've really enjoyed because it's emotion to me it's emotionally honest just speaking about this episode of community it's so in real. particular it's really real and like this is the nerd equivalent of like you know the cliche about like father and son working on a car together right but if you're a son who doesn't give a shit about cars then you might need to convince dad to play dd right and it's the flip of that it's the dad meets the son somewhere but still but then the but son, of course, goes, but you're doing this for selfish reasons um, because yeah, the dad and... is even worse at communicating emotionally what he actually feels because he's mm -hmm. older from an even harsher perspective on these things in certain aspects. It's weird because masculinity does two things. Like as time passes, older folks, right, have a more conservative lens on a lot of stuff. But also as time passes, the definition of what is acceptable for masculinity kept, gets more and more rigid, which is like, – a curse, which is why you'll go on Twitter and see people say stuff like, I don't know, I think eating fish is just mad feminine, or like wearing glasses is kind of gay. And you look at it and you go, literally, what the fuck are you talking about? But in this circumstance, you've got this dad saying, uh, fine, I'll do this thing that my son likes that I don't understand because I want to, because you think that this will help? Fine, I'll go do this. And to see that there is a desire for it to go there, but an unwillingness to acknowledge that in order to meet your son somewhere, you have to get over yourself. And that is a mm -hmm. incredible father-son story to tell that is not told basically ever, quite frankly. Absolutely. And and so often these stories either end with like, you know, the 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 death of the father or the complete reconciliation. And uh -huh. this this remarkably messy and and emotionally honest middle place, it feels strangely revolutionary in stories like these. Like to like, be fed up with and simultaneously need the other person. Yeah, and and you don't want to, and you have no want of this person in your <laughs> life, but you also like feel a void when they're not there. I mean, as someone who like hates his dad, you know, like this, <laughs> this sparks a particular fucking feeling in me watching yeah. this, and I I do not want to see it replicated, but it's nice to see someone else did, uh, you know. Uh, 
I, the, it is it is a little teeny tiny itty bitty bit on the nurse um, when Jeff kind of has his closing line, but I think that they felt they needed that. That was yeah anyway. because it's, because it's, it is such an ambivalent 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 ambivalent. Thank you. I don't know what's yes. going on. It is kind of an ambivalent ending where it's like it's it's is it conclusive? It's not, and that's kind of what we like about it. But also, for an episode of TV that is a total of 20 minutes in runtime, you kind of do have to make it feel a little wrapped up. And Jeff's like, I know a thing or two about daddy issues. Not that he talks like that. Um, <laughs> but what if? You know, could you imagine? Yeah, wow, yeah and, 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 you know, wrapping up the message of the episode is kind of one of Jeff's things. Uh, in, in lieu of a full winger monologue, we sort of get it succinctly tied into a few short lines. Um, again, you know, I go back and forth on these things, depending on context or how I'm feeling at the moment, like whether or not we need it, you know, like, that's the criticism of like every Spielberg movie is that like, he, the last thing he does is like, Hey, did you get it? (laughs) Did you get what the movie was about? Or like, I've, I've seen it. You see it all the time in like big mass market blockbuster media, because like, Every one of those movies thinks the audience is, like, the dumbest homunculus in the world, so they have to, like, nothing can be unsaid. The character, the superhero has to, like, explain the motivation, and I'm like, yeah, I got it. I didn't need this. Thank you. But also, you know, those movies are for babies, so, like, you know, okay, yeah, you do have to explain it to the baby, right? Like, you do, you don't have to yeah. be like, baby, this is the complex, you know, American military structure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it. I, I go back and forth, and some people, and sometimes I'm like, I'm really glad you did that, and sometimes I'm like, okay, thing, like, I, yeah, didn't need it, thanks. <laughs> thanks, bud. Um, and this one, I'm of two <laughs> thanks, minds bud. about it, really but it, that. But I'm glad it's here in this I'm instance. I'm not mad about it, for sure. It certainly makes the ending feel intentional, yes. as opposed to haphazard. Yes. Which it very easily could, considering the the kind of ambiguous nature of it. Absolutely. Um, anyway, I uh, love uh, talking about a little masculinity, except that I don't. Uh, okay. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, so let's do a little ronking. Shall we? I love to ronk. Um, uh, Abed stuffed animal D and D. This one is fine. We go down. <laughs> yeah, this is, I, it's I a little weak. So I I like the idea of this. I'm in love with the idea of this end tag more so than I am the actual end tag. Does that make sense? Yeah, it feels like if they had had a little more time and like maybe the creatures could have had voices or Abed could have done the voices. Like there's ah, uh, that's. Yeah, if I had, because the best part about Abed doing this stuff is his voices, and if he's imagining every, that's the other thing. It's also we know it's implied that he's imagining what these characters are saying. Why not just let us in on that? Yeah, so that 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 just feels like oh, you were kind of, you just needed like one more coat of paint. You needed like you know take that take the icing <laughs> spoon or just like one more time. Something. Um, so let's let's scroll. Is, is the what's the bottom? How many how many intakes have we done oh, so far? Ninety one. <laughs> Okay, and what uh, is ninety one? Uh, the baby is named Chewbacca. Which it's, it's the last it's the last end tag of season four where we go to one of the random timelines from Remedial Chaos Theory, oh, and Britta okay. says that her and Troy's baby has a traditional African name, and then says Chewbacca, 
which is just like just one of the most racist things. Gift Exchange, um, Darkest Timeline. Which one's that? Um, it's the end of the Christmas episode of season four where they exchange gifts and then Abed imagine, imagines the Darkest Timeline. And it's like a courtroom with Jeff and Annie. It's not good. It's worse oh, than Lord, this. Oh, Lord, no. <laughs> Tra- which one's Traitor Audition? That's where they go to audition for the Owen Wilson Starburns study group. And they just do the Spanish rap for like the 10th time okay. in the first 11 okay. episodes so of Community. <laughs> I'm seeing right now, I think this goes somewhere near YMC Chang and Crumping. Oh, screen. Is it. Um, screens, man, screens. Chang has patent. Chang has patent. Which one's that? That's when he's giving a speech to the Chang Glorious Bastards in front of the Greendale flag in an homage okay. to the film so, Patton. I think that is officially the first one that I can go. This one is clearly better. Okay. So I'm going to say this is going to go... 81? 81, maybe 82. Screens, man, screen. What do you think of screens, man, screens? That's the one where they're all sitting on their phones at the study group, right? Yeah, uh, I'm impressed by the... I'm impressed by the camera movement. It's just, it doesn't do anything for me. I'm okay, like, wow, that's I mean, a smooth camera movement alone, I dolly. That's a smooth, one. like, well, good job. Uh, yeah, all right, fine. Uh, just under screens, man, screens. Yeah, so 82. Abed, oh, stuffy, D&D. Uh, that's where Chang gets robbed at the YMCA. I remember that one. It's boring as hell. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing. Uh, scrolling on up. So, mm, our current number uh, four, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. This one's not quite... <laughs> That's good. Uh, this was a fairly forgettable episode. I forgot this episode existed until we got into it, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I have seen this one twice now. <laughs> Period. Overall. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be. Oh, man. This is going to really affect. I think this might be the lowest season five so far. What's the lowest season five we currently have? The lowest season five is the one we did last week, actually VCR Maintenance and Educational Publishing, which is where they play a pile of. Bullets. Yeah, I did watch that one. I would. This actually... one's slightly better. You think so? I think so. All right. Yeah, I can get down with that. I would crawl up. So, like the next season five analysis of cork-based networking, just the bulletin <laughs> board one. Oh, I would. I like that one better than this one. So I oh, think it's gonna really? be somewhere between seventy-one and seventy-five. Yeah, I. I, I, I don't know. There's something about the way that that one's structured that I enjoy, that I, like, remember. It resonates in my head, in my head, head hole, my brain, brain ca- cavern. Yeah. <clears throat> I, okay. But, like, Thoughts. let me, pi- yeah, let me, it. let me pitch you one thing about mm-hmm. why this episode is better. Mm-hmm. Everything Jim Rash does in this episode. <laughs> uh, okay. Every- right. Got it. Moving up. <laughs> Uh, but sell. honestly, Kevin, easiest sell you've ever done. Easiest sell, in but honestly, that—that's the season four Christmas episode with Malcolm McDowell, and it's like kind of long takes. You know, it's like um, I honestly think that's where I hit the ceiling. That's where they they tie up the history teacher. Oh, yeah, I think I think honestly, advanced advanced. But this is the new seventy-one. I think intro yeah, to Nods exactly. is slightly better than this. I agree. Uh, if nothing else, for like, oh, that's some nice cinematography. You didn't have to do that. <laughs> oh, that steady cam. S five E ten. Which one is economics and marine biology? Just for my sake. That is from season four. Uh, that is, they are courting the rich kid student to come to Greendale. Okay. Also, Jeff and Pierce go to a barber shop 
also okay. uh, physical education education. Because that plot oh, line's really good. Kind of, I don't know. But, okay, again, let me uh, throw one last you thing. You say Jim Rash. Everything Jim Rash does in this <laughs> The uh, it, uh, police interrogation of two hobgoblins. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Keep, keep, um, keep on moving on. Put it right in 71. Advanced. Advanced. Uh, why? Okay. It's spell checking me, but that's only because it's the same word twice in a row, and, and uh, Microsoft Word doesn't doesn't care for that. Advanced. Advanced. Like Dungeons and Dragons. This is ooh. This is gonna hurt season five's overall rankings quite a bit. It is a bit of a shame that there are so few episodes in season five, but it also does feel like season five. By the time they were done with it, they were like, "Fuck, we're getting canceled a third time." Shit. Okay. <laughs> God uh, damn it. Let's we got it. We got two more episodes. Let's just fucking crank them out, boys. You know, whatever, whatever that, whatever that environment was. I'm assuming it was a space that went. Let's crank them out, boys, because I can't imagine it was a very uh, inclusive environment. As someone uh, who watched oh. that uh, documentary, I can say, yeah, they, they were. Oh, nice, <laughs> cool, got it. I'm glad my predictive text was able to analyze from the nature of the text and the way that things are handled on set. That it was a predominant media analysis. It's almost Love like some media analysis. <laughs> it's almost like with a queer lens, you start to pick up on things. Well, yeah, we're up that lens I mean, a little it's bit. A little sad to see season five dip, especially because it was such a strong return. But I mean, still some good episodes. I mean, that's that's the other thing. Even at its worst, still some good shit. <laughs> still some good shit, and that's still why this shit. show is so. It's wild because, like, honestly, and I think I've said this before to you as well as on the podcast. First time I watched um, Community, I wasn't watching it with a critical lens. I was like, haha, goofy, goofy. And it's still one of those shows that, like, every time I watch, I know I'm going to laugh out loud at least once, which I cannot say for the vast majority of comedy TV shows. And absolutely true. I remember watching through it and enjoying all of it the first time I watched. All of it. I didn't think any episode was a bad episode. And now that I'm looking at it with a critical lens, I go, it's just me going, this one's not quite as good as some of the other ones we've seen because some of them are like exceptional. You know, it's the whole idea we were talking about earlier. It's comparing art to art. You can't fucking do that. And yet we do it every week. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, and of course, uh, this list is very scientific and it is correct. And if you disagree with it, you are wrong. Yeah, um, well, uh, if you disagree, <laughs> then I will be speaking with my lawyers. Yes, thank you. Uh, the the uh, operation, uh, our awesome ranking is never in doubt. Um, cool. Uh, so actually, I don't think any places changed. It just made some uh, races closer as far as the averages are concerned. Oh, that's uh, nice. But I, but I don't want to give away all the answers just yet, especially since we're only doing like two more episodes for this season. So we might as well save it for like a big final uh, wrap up at the end of the season. Wow, this is crazy. It's so wild that like we are finishing up season five and it, I, I do, I'm fully seeing because if we had done two episodes at a time for this season, right, we would be basically almost done with season six as well right now. With the show. It's yeah. just so crazy to see that this show which started the beginning of quarantine. You were like, well, we're trapped inside. Why don't we talk about this show that's coming on? And now as things are opening up again, whether or not that's a good thing is up for debate, but we're like starting to wrap things up. It's just such a surreal timeline marker. It's just, it's just time is so fucking crazy. And this podcast is quite a snapshot of what this past year and some odd months has been crazy stuff 
and uh, our various mental states at, at any <laughs> given time. Oh man, the mental um, health journeys we have all been on. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm uh, exhausted. You know, I uh, a roommate gave us like a two day notice of them leaving, so that's been a great stress on myself. So I'm actually I'm taking a personal day tomorrow. I'm deciding I'm deciding right now. For you um, take it, take it. Take yeah, it. it's supposed to be my day in the office, but I'm like actually. I Actually, might go to I, Manhattan, I, but it's just to pick up comic books, and then I'm gonna go see. Wait, where? Go, and then you're gonna go see what? And then I'm gonna go in the evening. I'm gonna go see Shiva Baby. Um, <gasps> oh my god, it looks so good. Yeah. It looks so good. I don't really know like anything about it, but everyone says it's great. I'm like, good. Okay, I, I, don't I love. You need to know much coming into it. It seems like a pretty self-explanatory. Like someone goes to a Shiva and they see people they didn't expect to see there, and it's a contemporary take on like just basically yeah. what it means sounds to great because i like i wore it over like okay i could see conjuring three but i haven't seen any of the other conjuring max don't go see that in theaters <laughs> i well i have it's amc stubs i could see it for free oh. basically um or i could see quiet place part two but i haven't seen quiet place part one i haven't seen like, the first one either yeah yeah so i was well, like you know what i'll pay i'll pay a little out of pocket and i'll, I'll where go are you going to get comic books because i got the day off tomorrow maybe i'll head into manhattan oh, and get some comic nice. books you wanna, uh, you wanna forbidden forbidden planet get, yeah, my uh former planet? uh employer and my oh. current uh place where i have them set aside comic books for me every week amazing um, yeah, oh, yeah. And I paid for tomorrow's them. Wednesday. Yes, tomorrow's Wednesday, new comic Wednesday. day. And I was like, I'm go going to a wedding this weekend, so it'd be nice to like have something to read in the hotel room, you know what I mean? Um, Got to make sure I have my comics. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, up, uh, the second uh, collection of, oh my God, what's it called? What's it called? I remember. I, what, I, there was this one. I got it. Is it over here? <laughs> I can't find it. I got it when I was in St. Louis, and it was one of my favorite uh, trades that I've read in a minute. It was, was it about Bitter Root. That's the one. That's the one. It was Bitter Root. Yeah, I, I remember you talking about that. Uh, number two, or not number two, but trade number two. <laughs> uh, all good. Yeah, and uh, of course, it is the second week of the X Men's uh, big gay party, so I got to make sure I'm caught up to date on the big gay party. Um, yeah, I like want to read everything in this new X before I get to that. And no, you got it. No, you you got it. It's it's not. Uh, I mean, I'm you might be able to read the big gay party in isolation and enjoy it, but like, there's so many references throughout the, it that the know. context it just makes it like glorious. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you you it, there's a lot going on. Uh, yeah. so uh, also the con- context is good like it's not homework <laughs> it's i love just... context i mean it's also uh, fun stuff yeah i've heard it's i mean it's the best x we've gotten in a long time so for forever uh, i've talked about it infinity times on this <laughs> no one wants to hear me do that anymore um for, as far as plugs go uh i was uh, once again a guest on you can't disappoint a podcast uh <laughs> where they were doing their season two community wrap-up uh, and I shared my top five, I shared my bottom three, I shared my season MVP, and it was a great time. Uh, those are those are fun folks that I got to hang out with and, and do that. Um, nothing else on the docket, uh, but I have a camera and I am filming things and eventually they will be uploaded and the place where they will be uploaded is youtube.com slash Kevin Lennigan. Um, so, so excited. I'm, the creation of art that you are about to love to make art gonna spend six months filming and eventually edit it but i really just want to film right now i just i feel it in my bones yeah Um, let me know if you have any projects that are dumb that you want me to help out with 
Oh, please. I'd be more than happy to tag along because I've got a schedule that is open to it because I quit my corporate job. Yeah. Mazel on that. Thank you. Good for you. Uh, Any pluggables? I have one. I got one pluggable. So as you may know, if you have been listening for a while, my favorite drag performer in the world named Junior Mint, who is a good Judy of mine, she is absolutely incredible. Uh, follow her on Instagram at Junior Mint with two T's. Um, she's great. She's just a black trans woman who is <laughs> the most empowered. Like, honestly, she also has a great Patreon where she kind of gives, like, Monday sermons and she talks you through some stuff. She's absolutely phenomenal. I highly recommend it. She has a new makeup line, and it's incredible. I have the palette literally right in front of me. It's so good. Um, I'm not being paid to tell y'all this. I literally just love this this palette so much. The colors are amazing. Um, and they stand so well. I've seen her recently do a few drag shows where she's wearing her own makeup. And that shit stays on. It's so good. And the colors are fabulous. <laughs> Highly pigmented. Great for all different skin tones. Uh, and uh, there's an Instagram channel for that. As Instagram channel? Instagram account for that as well. Uh, Minty Makeup, Mint with two Ts, M-I-N-T-T-Y dot makeup. Give that a check. Check that out. Uh, go get yourself a palette. They're really not that expensive. I want to say they are. How much are they? Let me check real quick. They're really not that expensive. They're incredibly high quality. And it goes to a black trans woman drag performer who is doing incredible work for the community and all around. They're $30. It's a $30 palette. It's got incredible colors. It's got what, what like three, six, nine, twelve. It's got 15 different colors on it. $2 a shade. It's amazing. So good. Amazing. So that's my plug. Uh, support a black trans artist and support um, queer liberation, I guess. But I don't know. It's great. Give it, give it a follow. Get yourself some makeup if that's what you're into. Uh, really great stuff. And uh, it's just getting started, so hopefully there will be more. It is still kind of a small batch, so get it while you can. Uh, but there should be a full line, I believe, coming in the near future. I don't know if that's, like, public information or just conjecture. I actually don't know for sure. I Just knowing Junior Mint, I'm sure that that's what she's trying to do at some point. But, yes, I love Junior Mint. I love her makeup. Go ahead and give that a look. She give your money to black trans people. Woo! Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, I deserve that. I had that coming. Um, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, the divisive animated episode, G.I. Jeff. Uh, divisive indeed. Divisive indeed, but until next week, it's divisive uh, for a lot of Jeff and Annie shippers because it makes their age gap longer. Uh, but until then, <laughs> pop, pop. Pop, pop. I'm trying to remember. There was another call and response that we did, and I can't remember what. Oh, and I also with you. I don't think it's like <laughs> I don't think that was shit. it. <laughs> anyway, a doo ba boo Caleb's not here. He can't get mad when I stop it right here. Oh. oh. Thank you. Very nice. I'm a little upset Very that I rhymed nice. here with here, but you know. You know, you gotta, you gotta do what improv. you gotta do. Yeah, it's improv. There's a lot of lacks in improv. You can you can kinda everyone's just impressed you. Did it rhyme? You yeah. win. You win. Uh gonna bring it on. Gonna bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. <laughs>
This has been a Talk Back Podcast. That was quite a show. Very entertaining. Please tell your friends about this show. Boopy doopy doop boop sex. <laughs> Larry, I'm on DuckTales.